Hey there, this is, I know um, this is not typical, but we're going to start with, um, this, is, this is Morty Rosenblatt here. I'm the, um, from the board of directors of the Draft Champions podcast. Again, Morty Rosenblatt. We just have to, um, we have to, um, you know, just finalize our HR hiring decisions. And um, we, we have two final candidates. One is Mr. Clay Aubrey. And um, we have Michelle Kurland. How are you guys doing? And uh, I just have to quickly make a decision. I know, are we recording? We, that Rick guy, he's never here. Um, I'm here. Yes. Yes, I'm here. And yes, we're recording, uh, Marty, or uh, Mr. <sighs> Mr. Rosenblatt. Hi. Hello? Hi. Oh, okay. Hello? Michelle. Hi, everyone. Michelle. Uh, Michelle, how are you doing? Is, on this uh, je m'appelle Michel. Michel. Now I've looked over your resume. Uh, it looks like you've um, written for this playbook, and um, and uh, I, 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 uh, j'ai, j'ai dépensé beaucoup de temps avec uh, Michel et les autres. Et wow. SK playbook et J'écrivais là et oh. uh, uh, j'adore le baseball. Right. Now, that's all great, Michelle, but um, we're looking for human resources here. Now, Clay, Clay. Hey, Clay Albright here. Hi, hi, Clay. Um, sorry, we're, I don't, I don't want to take up too much of the time here. I don't know if we're recording yet or anything, but... Um, yeah, human resources at the Draft Champions Network. Like, like I said, Clay, like I just want to explain our objectives here. We want to get everyone onto salary here because everyone's just looking to fish for clicks. I don't know if you do that, uh, Michelle. Uh, I don't know if you ever fish for likes or clicks, Michelle. But um, Betty we, likes a lot of fish. What? So yeah, we 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 just want to put everyone onto a salary. We our host Zach, he's going to go onto salary now, so he's not going to care about um, getting likes or clicks for episodes anymore. And uh, yeah, Rick, and even Rick is going to be. We're going to give him a salary as well. So um, Clay, how are you? Are you comfortable with um, with salary and payroll? You know what, Morty? Um, I just want to say thank you to everybody here for this opportunity, and I've been a longtime follower of the podcast and absolutely I'm comfortable with that. Whatever you guys need, I am here to do. Uh, I have a strong Twitter presence. However, I don't, you know, I, I don't like the kind of pay per click uh, community that's developed and I'm totally on board with the idea of a salary. So yes, Morty, uh, I think that would be great. Oh, that, that, hey, uh, that. Michelle, Michelle wants oh, no. clicks and Michelle I want likes. Right. It is something yeah, right. that Michelle yeah. Kurland is about. Okay, I am Michelle, about it, likes. Michelle, I'm just going to have to tell you, unfortunately, we're going to be going with Clay as our new director of <laughs> human resources. Shit a merde. So, I yeah. am going to the football. Okay, Rick, Rick. Can Fantasy you, football Rick, for Michelle Kurland. Rick, Rick. Can yes, you yes, please, I'm here. Can you please... Um, uh, X out Michelle Kurland, his yeah. brain. Thank you. And um, I'll, I'll leave you guys to do the pod. And I just have an announcement to, I, we're going to add to our board of directors. We're going to add um, Mr. Anthony Gialdi, uh, Mr. John Fish, and 
Mr. Tazawa, I don't know, on Twitter, uh, Jay Tazawa. Uh, those are going to be a, we have a new board. It's going to be a new look. We're on salary. So this is going to be fantastic. Clay, welcome to the DCN. And um, yeah, you can hang out on the podcast. I'm going to leave you guys. I'm going to leave you guys be. Okay. Thank you so much. I just wanted to say, Mr. Rosenblatt, thank you so much. Um, I am so happy to be here. And I assure everybody listening that some of the things that you have heard and seen from this podcast in the past will be absolutely flipped on their head. We have a lot of great things to come. I have been doing an audit of past episodes as well as everybody that is involved with the program. And uh, yeah, we, we did our diversity, inclusion, uh, caring and kindness uh, scale. And everybody has a score on there and we'll be visiting that maybe a little bit later in the program, it, you know, as a warning for some, but for others, it is a delight. So I am happy to be here. Okay, guys. Um... Guys, Morty, Morty's Morty out. Toodles. Morty out. Thank you, Morty. All right. Okay. So, um, yeah. Hey, guys. It's Zach here. I just um, got in. Morty is obviously taking uh, a new direction to the podcast, but we're going to keep going the way it is. Um, we got we got a big guest here, and um, I guess we're on salary now, so it doesn't matter what we do. We don't we don't care if anyone listens anymore. Um, so we got, uh, John Legaza here at MLB moving AVG. What's up, buddy. All right. What's going on? Uh, it is, you know, this is my new favorite show and I'm looking forward to lowering my diversity score. <laughs> well, I don't know what that is. So, um, Clay, I'm, I gonna, guess. I'm going to go ahead and bookmark that comment and we will, <laughs> um, we'll be revisiting that a little bit later. <laughs> All right. All so right, well. <laughs> what do we, what do we got to do? What, what do we got on the agenda here? We got, um, oh man, is Bjorn here? Where is that little Swedish fucking fish anyway? Oh man. Oh my. We got okay, okay. Is... We, we, we don't have a lot of time. We got a hard stop in an hour. We gotta get we got a lot to get in here, Bjorn. Uh so did, Rick, are you you're prepared to this Bjorn to be wild shit that he wants to do again? Uh, yes, I've got it. Okay. Bjorn, are you here? Is he is he muted? Everybody hear that? Hey there, Bjorn here, Bjorn here. Um, how you guys doing? I can barely hear Rick. Rick, is your, your, your music yeah. not that very, very vocal. So, I, like uh, I, I did my best. Um, go ahead if you had a question for the gentleman. John, how you doing? Okay. How you doing, John? Bjorn, please, just just don't start with me. Hey, John, so I got this new segment. It's called Bjorn to be wild. Well, it's not new. I've been doing it. Um, Spoon to be wild. It's a question I ask the guests. It's sort of a crazy guess, crazy question that it's really like out there. And like, I'm sorry if it's too much for you to handle. But um, my question for you, John, is um, do you think you could hit an Ariel Cohen curveball? Do I think I can hit an Ariel Cohen curveball? I don't know if anyone can hit an Ariel Cohen curveball from what I understand. I mean, that's got to be at least 23 and a half miles of devastation coming at you. And Fine. considering I'm normally, <laughs> well, no, I mean, listen, the real answer is normally I'm about 24 beers deep into a softball game. So I've no chance of hitting anything. Well, yeah, I, I, I back cross handed. So it's really difficult <laughs> to hit sometimes. So um, I don't know. I liked, I, I'm known for my dribblers. 
But thanks. That was that was the one to be wild. Fuck Bjorn, that was one of your best ones. But um, can we, Rick, can we just get rid of him for the rest of this episode? Because yeah, is he on I mean, salary? Is, is that guy on salary? We, we got to get to the good stuff here. So um, I would just like to interject. This is Clay. Uh, yes, everybody on the program is now on salary. Great. Yeah, that's what um Morty said. We got, a new, we, we, got a, we got a new board. We got a new HR. But you know what? It's going to be the same show for me. I got. I was actually listening to another podcast. It's called, um, it's called, um, what's it called? It's with Ian Happ. What's that one called again? Uh, Ian the- Happ. <laughs> oh, yes. It's on the, uh, the oh, John man. Boy. Yeah, that's, it, a, that's a good pod. It's, it, yeah, it's um, The Compound. And actually, what I, I was listening to it, and um, just like a little side note here, they were talking about like players arguing balls and strikes. And they said that the MLB is threatening to take away the iPads. You know, the, the players have the iPads and they can, they can see. They're actually yelling yeah. at the umpire. They're like, see, this was a fucking ball. And like, I guess there was a memo that went out to the to baseball, the players or whatever. And they said, you know what? If you guys keep doing that, we're going to take away your iPads like a little kid. Now, That'll do it. That's what I do to my kids. It works. They were also, t- they were also saying Rizzo. Uh, I don't know if you guys were listening to this one. They said Anthony Rizzo. They, they said like his thing when he's up to bat and like he doesn't like a call. And he goes, hey, man you know, I have a good eye. And like, that's his thing. That's like, that's like, that, they're like, that's Tony's thing. He's like, he's sort of like, maybe that like Italian, like, don't, don't, <laughs> don't, don't fuck with me. Like, yeah, hey man, you know, you know me, I got like, I'm good for it. Yeah. I got a good eye. Like, don't, well, don't I mean, they say, me. they say hitters do kind of earn that reputation. Tony Gwynn, other Tony, Tony Gwynn was like that. I mean, whatever. I just think it's so ridiculous. The, the problem is not the players or the iPads. The problem is that the technology in the dugout is better than what's being used to regulate the officiating on the field, which is really what's absurd. I, I can't believe we can't come up with a hybrid system of let the guy call the game and there are going to be some way he needs help. He, if you gave the ump assistance and the ability to get quick assistance, they'd probably take it all the time. It's that we put them on the spot, make them look so stupid. You can't reverse a call, whatever. It's, that, that's the problem. Although the players should know better because you're not helping your case doing that you're only going to piss the guy off in the first place you know what i mean doing that is not helpful so i i, I wouldn't do it anyway so i just wanted to interject oh, oh go ahead i was gonna say like you're just like so competitive and fired up juices are flowing you, you'd think that there'd be a way like with all the technology like you were saying it's like you have your mean that's established in like the there first is. couple innings there and is. then it's like every every you know standard deviation outside the zone that the umpire like fucks up that's when we intervene and we're like no no you were wrong there well what about i mean these we already have very granular and detailed grading systems going on and they go in the trash right so you could take whatever you want to write think about your favorite umpire angel Hernandez, write on a piece of paper rip that half throw it away and then tomorrow wake up and throw the other half in the garbage because that's all it's worth so like if we're auditing these guys and great but like legitimately grading them on, on what they cost teams and how far out they are and their average miss and how often it is and how critical of a spot it happens in but there's no consequence so what is the point we're not even like what if we gave the top three umps a million dollar bonus at the end of the year would we have guys competing to do a better job rather than ah, i threw you know guy blows three game potentially game-changing calls absolutely nothing happens doesn't matter at all in fact mlb kind of backs them so 
whatever. It's all broken. It's so stupid. And that's the way it should be. You know, a socialized <laughs> system, a socialized system is always better than a, you know, more of a capitalistic uh, type system. And I, I wanted to say before we got too much further is it an honor and a privilege that we have uh, Mr. Legeza, a, uh, an Italian American man on this podcast today. And uh, we are getting uh, some more points on the diversity scale. So thank you for coming on, Mr. Legeza. Hey, I've had a bunch of Italian people on this on this podcast. We've had we've had uh, Rob DiPietro. We've had Matt Modica, and um, uh, just to, on the top of my head, uh, Clay. Like this is like this is a very inclusive podcast. So well, you know, yes, and we have you know we've got some points there, but we've we've missed some points as far as some of the other categories, and that may be because of uh, well, Mr. Poundstone and some other folks here on the podcast. But uh, yeah. maybe we'll get to that a little bit later. I, I once okay. slept with a little person. Does that count? Oh my goodness! I, fuck. I'm gonna. I didn't. He slept with a midget. No, I didn't say that. I Mr. didn't say. Le, wait, I didn't, did I say that? I didn't say that. Are you sure I said that? Play it back. I didn't say that. Is it uh, Mr. Legay? Mr. No. Legay, I. Sorry. <laughs> no, wait. I didn't. I said that. I don't remember saying that. I wanted to. Mr. Legay, I just wanted to ask you, what do you think about this? Is Red Poundstone and I'm a big council guy, by the way. Thank you. And I, I wanted to ask you, what do you think, since we are, you know, talking about all these new topics with uh, Clay here today, what do you think about Alec, Alex Baum from the uh, Phillies being the first MLB sex pig at 1,000%? It's the only word I have to say, sex pig. There is no, uh, excuse me, there is no public record that, that Alec Baum, I don't know where, but he is sexy as hell. Well, Guys, no. I don't know. I don't know where this is going, but have we got into any of the actual fantasy content yet? Go ahead. Rick will be wrecked. Rec- There's some kind of fantasy it. going on right now. <laughs> Gee, oh no. All right. So, John, John. So, but um, I've been listening to um, your um, your show on, on the uh, Patty Mayonnaise, right? Yeah. And Thank uh, you, Mr. I, I've, I've listened to the, yeah, I was listening to the, um, the fantasy part every day. Um, yeah. That's that's what I'm into, and uh, I'm looking. And you've sent me some of your leaderboards and on your YouTube. Yeah. So subscribe to Johnny's YouTube Cork Stats on YouTube, and and subscribe on iTunes to uh, the actual show is fantasy baseball picks and bets. But you can put right. Cork Stats; it'll come up. If you what? if you search Cork, that's fine. Listen, you you search me in Cork Stats. You can't don't worry about plugging man. You check me out on Twitter. If you can't find me, open up your ears. Like I'm I'm literally everywhere. But I would like to <laughs> hold on. I would like to speak to the fantasy thing because because th- this is one thing that actually really does mean a lot to me. And Zach, you you'll verify this because I have spoke to you in details. I got the opportunity to do the show, and then as I began executing the show, that I only get like five or seven minutes a day to do fantasy, and I really do my best to make it worth something for everybody you know it's i because i play high stakes uh h2h points but i also play high stakes 15 team roto with you guys in nfbc so i'm i'm really trying to be actionable and do things that not everyone is doing it's really tough but i i've been appreciating you working with me zach to try and get product out there that somebody like yourself might actually care about listening to so i do appreciate uh, it absolutely i've been i'm taking yeah. the time to listen to it daily and it's, and it's yeah. really quick it's like a couple yeah. minutes it's great right. Um, so you talk about uh, playing head to head roto or not head to head, but uh, um, roto, yeah, roto, right, roto, roto, and um, what you're in, a, you're in a bunch of DCs, I think you're in like nine yeah. or ten of them, yeah, yeah, 10 or 11, I think it is, yeah. Um, I'd like to forget about half of them if I could, Jeez. and then you're doing you did a main event qualifier, I think. If I, yeah, I know, I have, I have, I actually have quite a few, although. 
those I'm, I'm working, I'm trying to find a partner. That I, I've also had this discussion with you because I'm very good at pitching and I'm not very good at hitting for Roto. So like I was always very good at head-to-head points and I'm good at point offense because it's, I mean, listen, it's a lot simpler, right? Figuring out point offense is a lot less nuanced than putting together a Roto offense, something. I'm good at identifying good hitters, but I haven't really, and I'm very honest with this, I haven't really nailed down working interweaving average with power and steals. I can't seem to get the right combination. I've been looking for a partner and God, that's another one. I have a lot of respect for you seriously. And other people that play with partners at a high level, but I'm doing, it's funny to your point. I was very, I'm doing very well in fab leagues and awful in DCs. And, and I'm, I'm not at the point yet, you, you but I'm going to go back hitting. and find out why soon. Yeah. Hitting, hitting is, I think you're saying you're struggling with it. I think everyone is this year. Hitting's just been, difficult to yeah but someone's in first place and it ain't me man well i'm looking at these first place teams and one of the things i i recently noticed was modique had a whole bunch of first place teams and i looked into his a bit and like what's he doing because it's like one thing like it's sort of like um too small of a sample size if you look at let's look at the the top teams like top five teams what are they doing but it could be luck and let's let's look at like a top player like take Casey Chalk, who might, is arguably the best player out there let's look sure. at his teams but maybe he's maybe some of his teams aren't Never necessarily that's fine, Rick. <laughs> um, maybe some of his teams aren't necessarily doing well because of injuries. He drafted Chris Sale early. Who knows, right? Um, yeah. But then I looked at Modica. He's got like three really top teams. So I'm like, okay, that's sort of like a representative. You got the same person and they're all doing well. Same yeah. year. So let's look at his teams. And he, common denominators on those teams were Francisco Mejia, eh, whatever. Kyle Wright, Gilbert, Logan Gilbert, Segura, Yalek. Well, Wright's a very big hit because that's yeah. a very late play. You know, that's a you can't just brush past that. That's one of the big league winners so far, I think, you know. Yeah, so far, yeah. We're talking about the league winners like um, Peralta and Rogers from last year and Logan Webb. Uh, yeah. Wright is 100% one of those players this year. Yeah. I thought I thought Luzardo could have been, but he's... He was, he no, dude, you, you listen, you, uh, you and I have had this conversation as well. Gosh, it's funny, for the two goofballs that we are, we actually have some pretty pertinent stuff going on in DMs. That's not fair. I've taken victory laps on opportunities because that was my guess. Like you were hoping that you were going to get the spot, have a little bit of talent. The health didn't work out, but you nailed that. It's just unfortunate you didn't get the outcome, but the you shouldn't change whatever input got you there is what I mean. Yeah, and uh, he could come. He, his, his injury is not a death sentence either, so he could he, he could be back. Um, That's not but, what Dave said. It depends on how hard he can throw. Like if the uh, forearm thing lingers, right? Right. Yeah. Like yeah. if he's if he's back down to his velo last year, like. You're out, you've you're got out. A, you've yeah. got a guy with the stuff's not there and the command's probably still bad so like mm-hmm. yeah pumped him into the sun but when the velo's up and the stuff's ticked up he's a fucking stud yep superstar yep yeah so one thing i did like one thing i did notice is uh, he didn't spend up on catchers and i think the people that did spend up on sal and uh, jtr this year aren't getting the returns um mm-hmm. usually like those catchers are are, are are a pretty good investment in these DC, in these dcs from what i've seen historically and and just the players that have historically done well and teams that have historically done well, but it's, it's been good. It's been good, but yeah, hitting has been touch tough. Um, there's been like, if you, if you have a couple of hits on your team, like looking at some of these teams, like Crone, Machado, Yellick, Segura, um, Springer, Judge, like, like having just a couple of those guys on your team, although you have 14 hitters, if you, if you hit on like four or five of those guys, you're almost like set, you're almost set yep. so far because mm-hmm. almost a lot of teams have, Okay. almost every team has a bunch of duds like right the, the 16 home runs from judge or whatever yeah. is six or seven roster spots from other people yeah no joke no you're not kidding yeah, yeah. no that's a, that's a, that's a really good point so like even like on these teams you'll see like some makatas some fran mills um some uh martes 
some Rendones, and like even like on these top top teams, like they're in the upper echelon of um, these draft champions uh, overall contests. Like one of them's got Freddie Peralta, Garrett Cole. Like those are picks that are like like top picks that are basically underperforming. Like I th- I'd say Cole is underperformed for where you drafted him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, yeah, sure. I, I, guess I don't know. I don't know. I, I, got, I, gotta, I gotta be careful by saying that's that. That's a pure but... output. That's you're asking me on based on pure outputs. I'm not really, I just think Cole was fine. I think, yeah, no, you're right. I, maybe I should backpedal a little bit there, but Freddie Peralta, right? That's good. That's a busted pick. Well, again, I, I hate tying health to bust. Yeah, he didn't look great in, in to begin with, and then he got hurt. Yeah, no, so it's hard to say though. he's gonna be a bust. But... I'm, yeah, yeah I'm so, okay, yes. I'm, again, I'm, not, saying, yes, I'm not saying it was yes, a bad. I'm not yes. saying he's a bad pick because I think yeah. the people that picked him, I, I don't. It's a loser. No, 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 no. If it's a winner or a loser, it's clearly a loser. You're right about that. The yeah. thing is, I'm always so in. I'm so always so into like the process that got me there and what led me there and the journey and if I should try and repeat that or not. So like, I don't know if I necessarily would get away from something like a Freddie Peralta. You know, he was undervalued. All the strikeout stuff. He was in the right pitching environment. You know, they've been, they've been developing guys left and right. We knew the next step, if you were to follow Corbin Burns, was the next step after what we saw was like Cy Young votes, right? Not Maybe not Cy Young winner, but maybe a fourth place in the Cy Young, which for our purposes of fantasy is an SP1, and there he pays the bill. So it's really, it's really, I don't, I don't know what the league winners look at. Zach, I've never been this confused ever. I look at teams as I'm setting my lineups and I don't know what place they're in and go, this team sucks. And that team's in third place. And the team I'm setting up, I'm like, wow, I have all these great decisions to make. This team must be doing great is literally in like 14th place. And I, I don't want to say I don't know what to do because in draft champions, you're basically chained to the freaking ratty. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you want to do. You could scream all you want and the draft champion streets. No one can hear you scream. So I'm just kind of dealing with it. You know, I'm dealing with it the best it was. And I mentioned to you early on, and I wonder if you noticed this, when you drafted, if that has benefited you or worked against you, I've noticed I don't have a single team I drafted before the new year, let's say even halfway through January, that has a single digit standing. And I say it embarrassingly so, but it, it's it's a fact. It's what it is. For me, no, it's, I think it's it, like the, the timing of when I've drafted has not been impactful in terms of my 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 results so far no okay. uh, so i can't i can't say that i think i have some i have some good teams both um, early early. O- early early and i have some really bad ones and i and vice versa so for yeah. me no um okay. but back to the back to the like the league winning pitchers like your 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 logan webb freddie peralta and T- trevor rogers from last year you got you mentioned kyle wright and you can mention nestor cortez and you can mention um eric lauer and you could have you could have mentioned uh, Baby Goat and um, Lazardo, but unfortunately, so far those guys uh, process process was good, result bad. Um, yeah. But going back to like Cortez looks really good, uh, but Lauer that Brewers rotation you touched on it a bit with um, Peralta taking that next door next step forward to to those guys that that kind of that rotation kind of reminds me of the Indians of old, um, where they like the who. Hey, Zach, this is Clay. This is Clay Albright, and I just wanted to interject. Uh, I heard that you had called the Cleveland baseball team, the Guardians, by a different name. And um, that's a little bit problematic. We just wanted to let you know that. And do you have anything to kind of say for yourself here? Well, you know, Clay, I was talking about the Indians. They they were called the Indians back then. I was going to touch on. Mm -mm. Uh Uh-uh. No. <laughs> what? The, he's just. 
Rick, you're the last person that I need to be hearing anything from. It's problematic in this day and age. Look, Clay, like I've been doing this show for a while and we're just going to go, we're just going to roll with this. Like you can take it up with Morty. Um, I, I'm going to say that huh. like, like that year where, where Kluber sort of fell off um, on um, when he was on Cleveland. Um, it's, it's almost like the, the, like the last and first out like inventory where like the, the, I don't know, it's a bad analogy, but like their, their, their worst pitcher on, on paper became the best pitcher every year. So it's like, it's sort of like, they're, it's sort of like a, an assembly line of these pitchers that like, they're just doing something right there where they were doing something right in Cleveland where like Kluber was like this like top two round guy. And then all of a sudden it became like Carrasco, the Beaver, and then like Clevenger, like all these guys kept coming, coming into 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 greater relevance and like the, the good guy the, the best pitcher became almost the worst pitcher milwaukee sort of following that trend and like eric lauer like he could be that league winner like he had a lot of good um stuff we've talked about on the show before like a lot of good velocity and mix changes that he was showing near the end of last year that lauer like he's looking to be like a really fantastic pick and and a league winner what do you think john about lauer he, i know he's seen him on some of your leaderboards yeah, well, there is a lot to like. And that, see, it's funny. That's funny you mentioned it because that's my L to take on Lauer is I really shortchanged the organizational benefits. You know, when we're talking about developing, these things are generally, generally, right? I'm, I'm speaking generally. It's not the pitcher doing stuff on their own. A lot of times it's it's within analytically driven from the front office. We know the Indian, the Guardians were known for that or whatever. And we haven't, you know, it's funny because we mentioned that, but think about that Cleveland staff, We've seen really that kind of fall off, right? If you were chasing the Cleveland pitching factory that I myself have told people about, right? So it's not like I'm, but you know, I'm taking this L because I, I don't like to use predictive, but yeah, I thought it was going to stick, right? I mean, like it's a sticky stat or not. I thought they were all going to stick because I thought it was like a, a, I don't know, a general fundamental education going on, right? So I thought it was general skill changes happening all at once. So like what we saw from Quantrill, I thought, would stick. And I didn't think he'd be a fantasy ace striking out the world, but I thought it'd be good. And same for Savali, right? That his first go around was really good. Then he was a little bit better. We saw some flaws. Now he looks gross. Like he could get demoted. The only one we've seen really rise up has been Tristan McKenzie. And now you have to wonder, is that Cleveland or is he the outlier? So to Lauer, th that was why I didn't jump on Lauer because we saw other organizations have fallen off since then. But that was the mistake. I know Toby was always on Lauer. I didn't never, I didn't see it in the underpinnings. But even for myself, and you and I talk about pitch arsenal dissection and stuff like that, you got to be careful. Pitching is not really looking backwards, which is why projections fail so badly at it. Because hitting, you could figure out with statistics looking back with weighted averages. Those kind of things don't work for pitching because pitchers are constantly tinkering and changing mechanics, and the mechanics they have can be hard to repeat. That in itself is a skill. So pitching. Pitching is really wonky, and I, I, man, we're gonna have this discussion in the offseason, Zach. I'm, I'm, I think I'm done paying up top for pitching. I've, again, you talked before about playing to your strengths. I've done so well getting pitchers in the mid-teen or late rounds, dude. And again, you know this. I have, I, I have like a dozen guys I've drafted after the 40th round that are all getting regular starts in the majors right now. Granted, not all of them are very good, but that means you're onto something. The aces I paid up for all got crushed where I should have been focusing on the offense that I struggle with. And I think I just vocalized why my team stinks so bad. But the tides so change. The tide seems to be, it might be changing now because the offense is picking up a bit. Yeah. Um, I wonder if Lauer is going to end up on the ass end of that. We saw him get kind of beat up by Miami. Then he came back down. He came back to earth. It looked really good against 
Washington. He's really outperformed some of those individual peripherals on pitches. But I'm being not very honest because I'm one of the only people I know that's looking at them to this extent. Every pitcher, every day, every fucking game, man. There's a lot of pitchers outperforming X slugs and stuff like that. So I'm not really trying to go with the lucky thing. His 255 BABIP is pretty low even for the field. But yeah, Lauer looks like a winner right now, dude. Hard to argue that one. Right. So let's look at some of the guys that I've seen on your leaderboards, which are, are yeah, yeah. fantastic. One of the guys I've seen, just these are these are guys that t- I think you yeah. – how do you filter it? I asked you this, but how do you filter out? Okay, very simple. Again, I'm very open about my process. So I didn't want to just put out raw leaderboards. When I first started, Zach, I was doing raw leaderboards, right? The top 30 in whiff rate. But what you end up finding yeah, is, is well, yeah, right. And again, you know, again, you make your mistakes. You go, it's my first time having a daily show. And I, and I really fly solo. I do everything on my own. So I, I do admit, looking back, that was not very helpful. But it brought me here. So the top 30 not being helpful, I noticed, wow. Like, So I start with the overall. And I just scroll down the list, picking out the names that I think might stick out. And once I hit 15, that's where I cut it and say, okay, this is in the top 50. So, and it's funny, I mentioned this to you, and I wonder if this is a bit of nuance that people are picking up on, because they should be, is if it takes 30 names to find the top 15 in whiff rate, but 15 names, five zero names, to find 15 one five names in XWOBA, it means that stat is harder to obtain, right? That skill is more prevalent among the better pitchers. So the standouts are even more important. And the reason why I continue to mention things like whiff and XWOBA is we want stats that don't overlap. Dude, it kills me, Zach. You, you, I mean, again, if you, if you wanted to be like a straight-laced Uber analyst, you probably could be. Because you've talked about people that use stats and combination that have way too much overlap. People that talk about barrels and like hard hit, barrels and blast, or barrels and hard hit. It's the same thing. You're describing the same thing. So when you talk about whiff rate, something that occurs before the ball is impacted, and then a contact-related stat, stat which happens post contact which we know is wonky you want to use those things in accordance and when names come up on both of those lists i'm circling them and adding them it sounds so freaking stupid but it's led me to every goddamn winner so far bro i'm telling you we had blackburn martin perez you name you name you name oh i know you love those topless bodiless buscemi's baby not an ab <laughs> to be found. There is not an ab to be found. Cratered faces everywhere you look. But that's where it's happening. And listen again, I'm not. I'm not into. I'd like to tell you. Listen, I got a few sex pig posters on the wall, but that's not who I'm bringing home. That's not who I'm bringing home. That's not who is going to get the bread buttered. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. That's what you, you got to change with changing times. I wasn't waiting six months to test home run to fly ball rates to figure out if I should change my model. I'm getting slaughtered out there. You gotta be proactive always when you can't. There is a place to be reactive when you could validate it. And that's been all the stuff I've been talking about is, yo, man, these contact stats are especially low, but you have to combine it with whiff rates. And it's led me to all these guys. JD Brubaker is the last one. You add Brubaker everywhere. He's been lighting up every single freaking board I could find right now. Wow. I just want, can I just uh, interject for a quick moment there with Mr. Legay? I just wanted to say that uh, <laughs> while I do appreciate your uh, the sex pig references and you're kind of right on board with me there, please, please try to refrain from taking my uh, Lord and Savior Jesus Christ name in vain. I, uh, I heard that and it's just not, you know, 
Now, Rick, that, you know, you have to understand that there will be people out there that don't see the same religious world you do. Okay. So, uh, you know, it's going to happen from time to time. Okay, okay, boys, can we get, can, we, can I do some quick hits with Johnny here? Um, about his, uh, just about guys I've seen on his XTAT leaderboards. Uh, you guys allow can... it. Yeah, thanks, Clay. Um, we'll, we'll talk after. Um, because we, we want to we want to get into this some of the some of these some of these stats just some quick hits to John for John because that I've that I've seen and uh, some players I wanted to highlight and specific ones one Jock Peterson like I've seen him on your on your leaderboards um, he actually um, has made the most outs at 112 miles an hour more on for exit velocity so he's he appears to be getting a little bit unlucky in this I guess short sample but um, what do you think about him going forward with platoons there in San Francisco what do you think you know, what, what do you make of him. This is funny, and I, again, we have to be careful appealing to authority, right? But I was just listening to Phil was on with Vlad on the FTN cast. And they were t- he was talking about, yeah, he was talking about how he really avoided, man, going into, listen to that, me and Phil had a few pages that were overlapped, but, you know, and again, it's it's not right because he's doing it, it's not right because I'm doing it, but we were overlapped, and we really both avoided the Giants because of platoon issues. Again, something you and I spoke about in the offseason, I needed to really fine-tune my understanding of the value of plate appearances. And I thought that there just wasn't there. I really thought you had to be more than just a strong side platoon guy. And it's funny because Phil made the point. He said that you need to be more than that. And that's where I push back. I don't think you need to be that in this depressed environment. I think if you're a very good strong side platoon hitter, especially in a NFBC format where you have bi-weekly maneuvering, dude, G-Man Choice, one of my best players right now when you're considering cost, but it's the same idea. You could, you're getting the righties to roll these guys out there. And to be honest, I don't think you want them up against lefties. I, I was talking with this, I was talking about this with Al and, and Mike today on the athletic pod. Dude, Rowdy Telez is awesome, but it wasn't until they started forcing him in the lineup against lefties that he started to slump a little bit. These are people, why, listen, who, Yes, plate appearances matter, but really good plate appearances are better than really bad plate appearances, right? We do have batting averages. So for me, I love a guy like Peterson. We knew the power was there. Again, swing and miss for me, not really – I mean, I don't think anybody guessed how – how throttled the offense would be, right? I think I think that sounds fair. I'm yeah. not trying to speak for the ball or conspiracy, but I'm just trying to speak to objective things we've observed, right? That there has been a throttling of offense, right? Even with the coming back, I believe Alex Chamberlain posted on the slugging percentage for barrels. I think it starts with a six, not even a seven. Uh, um, uh, not not yeah yeah right right right. Yeah, right I think right, no, right. I, I did see that as well, and I think you're correct. And what I I, I recall that as well. That's a major problem because if we're chasing, and again, this is not to knock anybody. I hope nobody's taking this as like a subtweet. You know, we, I know around here we've been, you know, we get some bad reps, which I like, but (laughs) (laughs) be careful here, boys. Well, it's again, it's not to point anybody out, but this has to do with the very same malleability that we were just talking about. Analysts X, Y, and Z are all talking about barrels, and they're talking about barrels on both sides of the ball, right? So hitters need barrels, which makes sense. Hit uh, pitchers trying to avoid barrels, which I'm less convinced is impactful. The problem is, if barrels are, are, are not even a 700 slug, who cares? You're not chasing those anymore. Stop, stop chasing barrels. So I did all those correlations on the Roto Sopranos pod with Bodico, which is funny. I don't think anybody expected all the math. Those stats are no good anymore. You have to use blasts 
or you need to be compartmentalizing fly balls because what we've now learned, what again, what I feel like what we've learned and other people like waiting for more information where like it's all here is the high fly ball hitters, high hang time hitters are being disproportionately punished, right? So Jorge Soler and Joey Gallo and guys get these long, high, high, e, uh, high LA home runs, right? So um, home runs that have launch angles up in the 30s, let's say which were considered barrels are not barrels anymore. They're not, they're terrible. So like the X slug, this goes to the pitch metrics I was talking about. The X slugs being tied to those hits, those batted ball events, I guess is what they are, are, are skewed. They're not good. They have not been calibrated. So stop using them, but everyone is still using them. So that's our edge. And that's why I'm using the stat leaderboard to focus on blasts, which if people are not familiar, blast is the ideal subset of barrels. Or if you're my neck of the woods, the fucking Cadillac of barrels. And I'm saying the Cadillac, <laughs> fucking Cadillac, the Cadillac, listen, the barrel barrels, Cadillac of barrels. And I'm saying, I smack you the fucking head. You know what I'm saying? It's that kind of, no, but that's, but that's what it's all about. It's about. I wish I could talk like that. Yeah. Well, listen, it's only going to get you a big fat nose like mine and a couple jail stints like mine as well. So anyway, <laughs> um, listen, spotted pass aside, what matters is malleability being proactive and again, sprinkling in that reactivity because when our process is failing, we should not be so locked into it. When we know the ball has changed, we're having humidors, we've had material handling issues, which I know, again, I don't mean to ramble on and on, but this stuff really does, it really does matter. I don't know if we have any tradesmen out there. I was a tradesman in another life. I was a high-end commercial electrician, New York City Union electrician, right? So, we're, dude, I rebuilt drawbridges. We worked on the top of uh, skyscrapers. Like, I used to love the, if you could guess, I used to love the most dangerous shit. Like, I used to do work that would make buckwheat turn white because <laughs> I love that shit, man, because you need brains, but you also need brawn. So, like, that's also part of what you see. Like, I like to think, but I want the tool and I'm going to go do the job. I don't want it to just be in the boardroom. And so what happens is when you do work on the graph paper and bring it into the trench and it doesn't work, you got to realize that things get lost there. And that's what we're experiencing. So if you're the hard hat in the drill, me and Graham have fucking tools covered in mud and some 18 year old prick fresh out of school comes over and says, why the fuck is the job not done? And you say, well, asshole, this pipe doesn't fit in the window. He points to a piece of paper and says, yes, it does. And you go, I'm dealing in reality and you're dealing in theory. And this is what's going on, people. So I know I took you on an eight million word fucking tangent there, but I hope it was worthwhile because there is a there is a distinct disparity between the, the boardroom and the trench, between the, the lab and the war room where the battle is being fought. And we've got to go with what works right now. I'm telling you, man, you're chasing barrels, you're chasing these things, you're going to find nothing but headache. EVL, uh, EV on FBLD, dude, the, the correlation is like 0.02. It's awful. It's non correlative These things just don't matter anymore. All right, my blood's pumped up. So, John, hey. count, counter, counterpoint for you, John. And I, I know you love these counterpoints. Cross check. Mm. Name drop. Uh, uh, Jock Peterson. He's been fantastic. If you left him in the lineup all season long and back to Phil there's obviously something that Phil liked about Jock because he said he drafted him so for him to draft Jock knowing the um, risks of the platoons in San Francisco there must have been something that he really liked about Peterson in his system that's something that a little bit of reading in between the lines of that episode that he did with Vlad which is interesting um, yeah like I talked about the like I think he, well, had, he mentioned he had, it actually he thought I mean and it made sense he thought 
that Peterson represented the type of player with the ability to play himself into it. I think Phil pointed to, did he have, did Peterson strengthen his splits toward the end of last year, perhaps? Maybe, I think we might have seen that, right? Maybe we saw a strengthening against lefties, which he's been putrid. He doesn't get enough opportunity. So I don't want to say he'll never be able to hit them. But to be honest, I don't know, man. Until offense fully picks back up, I think Peterson's fine. I think, now, Grant, I'm not starting him against, you know, in four game weeks where he's sitting twice, but that doesn't mean he's not rosterable. That's a, that's the thing with a lot of the players this year is Peterson. It's like, when, like, when can you play him? Like you could have sat him. You could, he's been a very frustrating player for some, from, for, for some managers where, whereas. Well, why do you say, but see now this, I don't get, hold on. Let's go back. I'm looking, we're all the way back to the end of April right now. Okay. I see. So he came back from injury. This perfect on May 3rd, they faced the lefty. He sat three games against righties. He played all three. Right, but, but what did you game, get? Him hold on, game against a lefty, he sits. Game against a righty, he plays. Game against a lefty, he sits. Six, seven games in a row against righties, he plays all seven. Two games against a lefty, he sits. Dude, it's a hard, it's a straight up hard platoon. In fact, this game yesterday, he played against a lefty. Was the first time he's played against a lefty. What looks like all season. So, I, I, I mean, it's frustrating in that you want him to play every day. But if I told you, what if I told you, you can have every single plate appearance for the rest of this season from Jock Peterson, but you get his average performance against lefties in his career. Are you making that deal? Do you want that? Or, no, you no. don't want that. Do you really want that? No, of course no. not. So, so what's, so who cares? So what's, I don't understand what the point is. I feel like they're doing you a favor. They're telegraphing. It's, it's a direct, it's not even, like I said, the things we're looking for, man, I think they mentioned in that part. Also, Phil said, he's obviously super bright. He said something about, he was stressing 16 games in a row for Andrew Velasquez. I wonder if Phil is reading my work. I know someone else who was talking about Velasquez, but the point is this. That is, there are indicators in playing time. I know uh, Curland, the ex-HR guy, would probably validate that. Right. But I wanted, when I see two games versus lefties, or in Peterson's case, four lefties in five days, if he were playing two or three of those days, now there's some confusion. The but, fact the Giants will play you 10 days in a row and then sit you four out of five is telegraphing the move. But, see, but, dude, but, but to my point, you got him on your roster, right? This week, this, this, this Monday through Thursday um, stint. Mm-hmm. Like Monday and Monday and Wednesday, he's he's um lefty. There's lefties, so you're you're not you're not playing him. What did, did he? Did, when did he go off? So you so set. I think the answer is to kind of set a parameter the best that you can. I mean, and these are all like terms. These are all things I use from trading and handicapping. Because again, Zach, I, I don't want to pretend like I have answers to your questions. But the best way to do it is to create a system that will keep us objective in our approach. And that way we won't be system hopping and guessing. Something else Phil and Vlad talked about, although Vlad failed to put the, the term on it. That is the term. It's called, we have system hopping. We don't want to be system hopping ever. So I would say to me and to yourself, it's something I do. I need more than 50%. If it's two out of four, you bench him and you fucking deal with it. If he hits a home run and gets a lefty, you eat the dick when you eat the dick. It is what it is, bro. But over mm -hmm. the whole season with all of these people <laughs> and all of these situations, Sorry, as long as you continue to be objectively assertive in your process, it's going to play out in your favor, especially with guys like Peterson that are so slanted in their splits. I just wouldn't worry about it. If you get three out of four, you play him. If you get one out of four, you don't. You get two out of four, you don't, providing you have a better option, right? But you got so, you, this this week, you got two out of four. He, he faced a lefty on he, he faced a lefty on Monday. He didn't didn't play. He's facing a lefty today somehow because he's back in the line or he faced a lefty lefty well, on Wednesday. He played. That's you're, the you're basically you're maxing out at two out of four. And he went off with the three home runs. So you well, could be again, on your bench. sometimes that's just 
going to happen. But also remember, who is the replacement player? Because I think also you have to have somebody, remember, Jock for two, it still has value because of he's, right, he's kind of been able to rise up to the occasion in the suppressed environment. So I feel like players like him, guys like even Schwedell we've seen come alive, Cole Calhoun we've seen come alive, guys that shown, I don't know, it sounds so childish, but guys have shown like the big boy power, that shown that they can overwhelm the flying, floppy, wet cat ball, hair ball, whatever the hell this thing is. You got to push those guys to the front. So my point is, two of Jock has got, is going to be better than almost two of anyone else. So you really need a quality three of four from every position in order to bench him for that. So you don't, you see what I'm saying? It really should only take a very unique set of circumstances where you're sitting this guy. Okay. We got to, we got to move on. We got to, we got 10 minutes left before Jeopardy. Um, sorry, this is going to be Clay's first exposure to Jeopardy, but um, next one, quick hits here. Um, uh, I've listened to your show. You're, you're pumping up uh, Patrick Wisdom and Frankie Schwindel. Uh, who do you want more um, between the two of them? You said you they're both. No, you said you got to add both of them. Yeah, I, well, I, that was in fi- in fifteen in fifteen teams. I do think wisdom needs to be added, but those again, this goes to me with hitting profiles. I, I that wisdom is exactly the kind of guy I don't touch. I think in point leagues though, where those type of hitters really seem to their sine waves are very compressed, right? So if you look at a season long stats, you don't know what the heartbeat looked like. A guy like wisdom. It's a few really sharp peaks followed by a lot of plateaued nothing. So if you can get a guy like him in your head-to-head lineup for the next like 14 to 17 days, I bet you he's awesome. But I'd be looking more at Schwindel because he's more of a complete hitter and we've seen some, you know, we've seen actual kind of skills from him. You know, when you the 21% K to five minutes walk, that's a sign of a skill right there. Anytime you're keeping it down where we know that there's home run potential. And again, he's coming alive as well. The thing I'm struggling with, maybe you could speak to it, Zach, is a guy like this is hitting 230. That almost like isn't bad right now, right? Like 230 is almost palatable, where that used to be an auto cut. And I think I'm having trouble traversing that gap right now. All right. So um, who's going to lose playing time for Christopher Morrell? Maybe Graham can speak to this. Like, um, is, is, oh, is, God. Is, is, what, what, Rick? Now, this, this moral guy. <laughs> Prime oinker. Yo, Rick, have you seen how cut Morel is? Cut? I don't. What has he got? What do you mean by that? I mean, he's got big muscles. Oh, well, Yo, he was he's on MLB.com or some savant, savant. I don't know if Michelle Collins <laughs> still here. Baseball savant. Uh, he is listed. Uh-huh. At Sorry, Clay. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. Savant. Is oh. the uh, correct pronunciation, Zach? Thanks, thanks, Clay. Um, he's listed at 145 pounds. Um, he looks like he's like 225. Um, so something happened with him, and I don't know if he's going to stick around, but uh, I'm kind of hoping he does because he looks pretty good. I don't know who's going to. I don't know uh, whose playing time is going to be good. sacrificed. I mean, it's wide open in Chicago. They basically said that from the outset. That's why, like, one of my biggest L's on the season is Clint Fraser. I thought that guy was going to go nuts, but like. He's oh, can't, man. Can't, stay, can't stay healthy again. What an, um, idiot. Oh, what an idiot. Man, I, Zach, promise me. I know we're not going to have time for this now. Promise me at some point we we do like a spring training chronicles. Like just the, the oh, the plethora of ass mistakes. Oh, I just Keller, asked Keller. myself a hundred times on spring training, man. Getting myself into players I, I didn't want. You mentioned Clint Frazier. I'm like, I'm like 
gagging right now. Joe Adele. Joe uh, Adele was a big one. Zach. I got on him we, late, we too. We fell down that well, I'm not taking an L on that yet. I will not take a Joe. Uh, Why not? Uh, Joe, I, Joe, Joe, Joe and L. Guys in the goddamn minors. <laughs> How could you not take an L? Yeah. <laughs> I won't. I just don't want to take it. I don't want to take it. Oh, I just don't. I don't want to. I'm not going <laughs> to. You can't. I'm not, I'm not accepting my L on Joe Adele. I, yeah, I, th- I think if Morel. There's fucking two L's in Adele. There's two L's in Morel. Okay, wait, wait, hold on, hold on. Zach, no, there's Zach's not. question. Oh, no, there's only because one. Because I'm Fuck. curious if anyone has the answer here. Because I sure as hell don't. And I just got served up another L. Again, I'm taking my L's. You know, I take them. I take them proud, man. I was, I don't want to say, I'm never happy when players get injured, but it's fantasy and we want opportunities, right? So I'm not going to lie and say, I don't want my players to play. But when I saw, you know, Horner is going down, I thought for sure it was John VR time. He started, let's see, four, like eight games in a row. He got one off, starts five in a row, and then just multiple days off. And all of a sudden we start seeing a guy, Morell, I'd never even heard of. Yeah, because know, Jonathan and- Villar fucking sucks. He doesn't suck. What is that? He's an old pig. <laughs> Hold on. You know what's Jonathan funny? Villar sucks. Hold on. So, so Jonathan VR sucks. I, I wish. I wish I would have known you were going to say that. I would have came prep for this. You tell two forty-eight with two homers and four steals. He's only played thirty games. What's he hitting? What's he hitting? Everyone's fucking jerking off to his fucking May. What's he hitting in May? But the, well, I mean, that's regardless. The point is, if he's playing. Is, and is putting up good. numbers. He's and good. You can power good, and speed. This is a good Villar at two, like 20 batting average. They're not playing him. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. What? What's 220? I got. Man, Villar and. Sh- tell me you're not quoting the, the month of May batting average. Please yeah. tell oh, me. It's VR, funny. gentlemen. Are VR and uh, Wisdom in a platoon at third base? I'm going to be honest. That's kind of what I was meant. You're going to be a the, fucking platoon in AAA pretty soon. Yeah. Well, the, the Cubs playing time, the Cubs in general, like we mentioned, this is funny, back to the point I was making with Phil, avoiding the Giants, avoiding the Rays myself. I didn't think to avoid the Cubs. I actually thought the Cubs were one of the more telegraphed places for playing time because they were so bad. Dude, I have like Harold Ramirez, lost. He's not in the Cubs. I have Clint Frazier. He hasn't taken a single at bat yet. I got Jonathan VR. Even when they have injuries, he can't get on the field. This team's been really, really frustrating. The only hit that I do have is I think Nico Horner is a hit. He's been awesome when he's played. He came back at another home run. Yeah. I wonder, you got you like Ortega? I know some smart people were pumping up Ortega. He started playing as of late, but he hasn't been that good. I don't uh, know. Isn't Ortega sub 700 OPS? I think Ortega's dog sub, shit. Sub, six, sub 700. Dude, he keeps up. He's be sub six hundred. He's a six fifteen. Yeah, six, he's one five. He, he today, and like I don't know. I I always thought Rivas um could be toast, and then Schwindel could play first base, and they can fucking rotate DH some somehow. Um, Schwindel can hit like just watching games. Like, all, Schwindel all, can all this hit. stuff is irrelevant. The, the real question is morale. Is morale going to play? That's the question. They they Dude, can I, they can they can knows? do a shift. They can do shift around. Um, I, no one really gives a shit about Ortega or. Villar or all these guys like they're all they're all garbage we just want to know if Morel's gonna play I, just, I can't I'm just I'm shocked by the the dismissal of VR and again this is not like coming at you so much as you're making me doubt myself here because I talked about myself struggling to make the move over oh, from, a fantasy, from a fantasy perspective he'd be good if he played every day but like when's the last time a team really took him seriously but he just played eight. He, but I just told you he played eight games in a row and 11 out of 12, but they won't stick with him. And he was productive. He had two. Didn't he have two smashing grabs? 
right homer and a steal in a game. What does that did mean? It twice that's, a, a that's a sock and a shoe. Come on. Get a sock and it's a shoe. It's a goddamn show? What kind of show did that come from? Sock and a shoe. That sounds like a cat show to me. Yeah. Amen to that. And I just wanted to point out, I wanted to point out that uh, you guys were mentioning Brendan Fraser on the Cubs. That guy is a ginger, and that's part of the reason. Brendan Fraser is a ginger. (laughs) Brendan Fraser is Canadian. Brendan Ginger was a six-foot-six Encino man. Yeah. (laughs) And now I'm lost. I just wanted to say the ginger effect is why he struggled. That's all. Is that why uh, Dustin May got Tommy John, too? Oh, maybe. I, I've never heard of him. <laughs> All right, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta move on. Uh, William, okay. we got William Contreras. We got like five minutes tops. Like, right. I got, I got to go play some softball. I'm like Ariel Cohen here. Um, yep, guys, I gotta, gotta go out for like got my softball game coming up. So I gotta, I gotta leave for quickly. We gotta get five more minutes left. Boys, let's go. Um, Wilson, William Contreras. He has a 113 mile per hour exit velocity home run. He's playing some left field. Johnny, are we, are we excited about him? Yeah, you better be. First of all, I was excited about Christian Bethencourt for getting plate appearances outside of his catching position. You're damn right I'm excited about William Contreras, dude. He's got the pedigree, and he's been awesome. 11.45 OPS. Check this out. He has an 11.45 OPS on a 2.17 Babbitt, bro. I mean, he is just slugging like crazy, man. Can't keep them right in, in an age where people are having trouble getting it out of the park. They can't keep him in the park. He is a superstar, yo. Started to make it. All right, uh, two con- two con players, like, uh, I guess, with their numbers going in uh, different directions. Alex Cobb, is he unlucky? And is Tariq Skubal oh. lucky, or is he legit? Like, are those two? Oh, I am so, I am so sick over Alex Cobb, man. He is truly the most unlucky pitcher in the league right now. I'm not even going to start citing earn run indicators. Oh, God, you had to see it to believe it. Darren Ruff, Ruff I'm not even going to make a pun with Ruff. It was straight, straight up. That was a that was a sub that was a sub professional effort that was non representative of professional sports in America. How bad that was! And if anyone didn't see it, you got to be careful. And then we also had certain fake internet doctors talking about how Alex Cobb got battered, quote unquote, battered by Frankie Lindor, who had a a god. It was a pop up that Ruff stumbled over. He ended up with his ass over ass over ears into the fucking seats. The ball somehow landed on the dust, and that three pitches later, there were five runs in, and Alex Cobb got smoked again. It was so despicable. He's really he's fine. He's fine as far as Tariq Skuba goes. He's awesome, and I wish I had really pumped him a little bit harder. He was a guy that I knew. I thought at least I, – I didn't think he was going late enough in drafts to be like the next Robbie Ray when people were doing that thing. But to me, he felt like that profile, the sloppy-ish kind of lefty with a little bit of control <laughs> issues. But we know that he's got the big swing and miss stuff, and this year he's just been phenomenal, dude. He's featuring the slider now. So like, I always like to see that he's pushing the slider first. 342 x-log 25 whiff and that's and the change up is if you've been following on twitter it's one of my nominations for best pitches in the major leagues right now it is purely filthy he only throws it to righty 186 x-log a 44 percent whiff rate on the change up for scooble doobble do he is excellent man if you have people in your league that are not buying that shit yo we want get the scooble snacks man i'm down all right so one last question here uh, about your leaderboards uh, we talked about Brubaker before, um, Hunter Green, Josiah Gray. Now, these guys, like, you get some the odd blow up from these guys, and they're also yep. um, on bad teams. 
they're not going to get you a lot of wins. Um, right. re- re- it's all relative. Um, but are the, all, is this worth it to get the whiffs and the upside um, in 15 team leagues? Are these guys, guys you're excited about, or are they're, are they guys that are going to hurt you more than going to help you? Okay. This, this is probably a bit roster dependent and I can tell you why they work for me or guys like this have worked for me because you can't just run them out there every week. So you need depth. You also need to adopt a, I don't, I'm not really into swapping on offense. Maybe that's part of why I'm not great at it, but I generally don't like to have one more than one bench bat. And the reason is I think there's a lot of value in pitchers that have either split issues or are, I don't like the word streamable because I don't stream. And this is what I do instead, even in a shallow NFBC league, my bench is all pitchers and I get good pitchers in good spots. So Hunter green is a good pitcher. Can we throw him out there all the time? Absolutely not. Why? Because he's often in bad spots because of the ballpark. But if you're asking me about like the pitcher himself, yo, he is so legit. His stuff is ridiculously good, dude. Ridiculously good. So when he gets the Pirates or guys like that, you got to remember, I'm, I'm digging into all these pitch shapes and stuff. And that's how I think in season are the best descriptors of what's going to happen. So Hunter Green, dude, he's got the 11 inch vert drop and the 11 inch horizontal move with 99 miles an hour. He has one of the best fastballs in all of the major leagues. So if I can get Hunter Green outside of Cincinnati, yo, I want Hunter Green outside of Cincinnati, but you can't just start these guys. Like picking your spots is you have to, you have to get the right players that are going first, first you got to get them. You got to draft them or you got to fab them. And then you got to actually put those players in the right spots yep. and a guy like that. And it just, it's just so difficult uh. to stream pitchers. Like the, a guy that I'm talking about now is Eric Fetty. He, he, he was fantastic against the Dodgers. He was fantastic in Coors, Coors yet he gets lit up in fucking Arizona or against Arizona. I don't know where Oh, oh trying but to just t- like, oh, when are you going to play these guys? It's like yeah. him and um, who else was it? Um, like Tucker Davidson or like, that was a rough one. Cobb, like all these two star, when, when are you going to, when are you going to play with them? Play, sorry. When are you going to play them? Um, like Fetty, like he was a guy that I loved in DC's coming into this year. Wait, wait, hold on. Can I answer, can I answer your theoretical with an actual answer? Yeah. Cause again, this is kind of what I do, Zach. This is like my whole thing is these rhetoricals are their answers. And the answer is yes. Okay. When are we going to start him? Let's put a fucking number. You could do this. And that's what I think people don't. And this is again, where, using pitching projections and trying to pitch against teams because it doesn't work that way. You can't. Okay. Here's the perfect example. It goes back to the sign ways. I mentioned the pirates. If someone says oh, the pirates, a good matchup, any analyst that says either yes or no, without asking, well, what point of the season are we in? What's going on? Are they healthy? Are they hitting? Are they patient? Is missing the boat. I start guys up against teams. You wouldn't expect if they're not, hitting right now i'm avoiding teams that are hitting like i'm more into the sine wave thing and for me matchups are not about jerseys matchups are about the team as a as a whole their performance and generally for me it's no uh whatever patience plus ops let's say you know so i'm just not going up against boston right now i've got here i brought up a leaderboard right now all right you don't really want to go up against the Diamondbacks, right? So right now there are p- players and analysts everywhere going, well, the Diamondbacks are a soft spot because the Diamondbacks are garbage. The Diamondbacks are trash. They're not trash. The Diamondbacks are hitting right now. And that's what gets people in trouble. Assigning a matchup to the Jersey where like right now, how about a good offense? 
I don't know, Washington stinks. Oh, Philadelphia stinks right now. You're much better off going up against Philadelphia than Arizona right now. So when you ask me, how do you do this? How, when do we when do we start him? Well, we start him when the teams he's facing suck. You know, that's when you do it. Uh-huh. And you hope to pick him up two weeks in advance. And then to answer your question is like having them, dude, that's the problem is, and that's the problem with streaming, I should say, is we never want to be adding already thinking about dismissal. That's why I don't chase two starts. I chase good pitchers that I think can stick. So that's why my rosters have, you know, I got a lot of Blackburn. Blackburn was not only getting the ground balls, he was also getting the whiffs. I thought he could stick, and he has. Got like chased. Silseth had the really um, nice minor league numbers going on. The same for Bradish. I mentioned that in the group chat. Kyle Bradish was lighting up the minor leagues, and you say, wow, man, there's a lot going on here. Well, this could stick. Added him for a buck, and now, boom, kind of stuck. So I think there are, there are hints and tips there for us if we're willing to dig a little deeper. Right, we got to get into Jeopardy real quick. Ready? Oh, I'm bored. Yeah, let's... All right, so we got the categories here. We got everyone, everyone knows how to buzz in. You see my screen? I got it. Okay, so these are the categories. Categories are Ariel Cohen, um, John Legaza, and Trevor Bauer. So John, we'll give you your, we'll, we'll give you a first crack here. What, what category do you want? I think uh, I muted him. I've muted him. Okay, let's go Trevor Bauer for 500. I'll go with, I'll go with the he who shall not be named. Okay, Trevor Bauer. These, mm. these are players who are appealing, um, like appealing, <laughs> uh, like uh, no, appealing to um, to fab, like milfs. They're basically milfs. Men, I men, I'd like to fab. So for five hundred, this pitcher, <laughs> this pitcher has the lowest xFIP among. Um, sorry, no, wrong one. Um, this player is listed at one hundred and forty-five pounds and is on a thirty-five slash nineteen, thirty-five homer, nineteen stolen base pace across Double A and MLB this year, hitting over three hundred in both stops, over one hundred and fifty-nine plate appearances. I got it. Graham. It's uh, Christopher Morrell. Bingo. Christopher Morrell. Wow. We talked talked about that son of a bitch. Yeah, I love him. I'll keep talking about him. Okay, next, uh, Graham, you got control of the board. Uh, (laughs) I'll take the big guy with the big mouth with the big, (laughs) from the big. The big cock. With the big, with the big cock. Mm, (laughs) You want, you want a big cock or like the bigger cock or the big, the the littler cock? 500 or 1,000. Mm-hmm. take 500 500 okay you just you, you want to bite it off all at once okay um this is john Al for 500 this pitcher has the lowest xfip among qualified pitchers in may lowest xfip among qualified pitchers in may oh okay graham Shane McClanahan. Wrong. Fuck. Fuck is right. How about I want to go with my how about my how about my unlucky guess with Alex Cobb? Yeah, that was the other name I was gonna throw out. No, there. that's that's wrong. Ricky, you gotta guess. <laughs> oh, it was a good guess though, I think. Yeah. Uh, um Kaden uh, Kershaw. Who? <laughs> He's barely pitched. <laughs> I I'm sorry. I <laughs> go ahead. The answer is Zach Wheeler. Okay, oh, Grant, you got okay. control of the board. Who do you want? Uh, we'll take uh, Trevor Bauer for a thousand. Trevor Bauer for a thousand. Here we go. Um, t- t- 
This player has thrown 16.2 or 16 and two thirds consecutive scoreless innings heading into his next start, going exactly seven innings in each of his last two with a 50% plus whiff rate on his slider in both starts. I buzzed. What's that? What's that? Uh, uh, I buzzed. There's a dog. I buzzed. Uh, sand, uh, sandal. Samantha Alcantara. No, that's incorrect. Okay. Anybody know? The answer is Brady Singer. Oh, fuck. What do you guys think of him? Like, is he uh, Logan Webb 2.0? I don't know. Because, like, like, it was right around this time last year that Logan Webb, like, Memorial Day, right? Everybody was getting Logan Webb pretty late. He had uh, gone down to the minors. He came back up. I don't know if he went to the minors. He might have been hurt. Yeah, something like that. But he, he came back up, and then just the world was his. I like Singer, for what it's worth. I like him, too. Yeah. All right, Zach. Looks like you're kind of... Uh... Like a POV type. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually. I actually have to start driving because I got my softball game. So I got. I've moved over to my phone now. Is that okay, Clay? You know what? We're gonna have to make it work. But I do agree. It, it seems as if we're at the point of view of maybe. I don't want to speculate. A woman or a man, maybe pleasure. You know. Yeah, <laughs> that's. You know, I don't really agree agree with Clay that often, but it does. Looks like you're getting. You know. Okay. You guys um, get it. We are. What, what's next? Who's the um, Tre- Trevor? Uh, Ariel Cohen, five hundred. Okay. These are people who um, with a high cold strike percentage. So this player leads the majors among qualified pitchers in Z contact and cold strike percentage. So he's this pitcher among all qualified pitchers. Players are hitting the ball the most in his in his zone, but he's also got the most the, the highest called strike percentage. So those are two sort of countervailing things. And this is a pitcher. Or? This is a pitcher. Uh, is Mister Legay still on? I, I I'm not <laughs> hearing him. I, oh, there he is. I can't okay. stop laughing. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. What do you boys think? I, uh, I'm, I don't know. Uh, I'm going to guess Framber Valdez. Fram, Fram. That's wrong. That's not big guess. All right. Who is it? The answer is Adam Wainwright. Oh, fuck off. Uh. That makes sense. <laughs> All right. Christian man. Is he? Yes, I'll take Ariel uh, Ariel Cohen in Cambria for uh, one thousand, please. All right, this um, this giant leads the majors in called strike percentage in May. Hmm. Anthony Dagofani. <laughs> I don't think he's even played. <laughs> it was worth it, Damn anyway. It. <laughs> 
leads the majors in called strike percentage? Yeah, in May. Oh, Again, we're on, called, we're, on, we're on called strikes because Ariel Cohen is really good at getting called strikes, as we've seen on the internet. Carlos Rodon. No, that's wrong. The answer is Jacob Junis. Oh. Oy. Jacob Junis. Huh. I've never heard of that man. <laughs> I wanted to ask, can I, can I please ask Mr. Legay? I know that Mr. Legay is a stock trader and a money man all these things. And I wanted to ask him, uh, this is Rick Poundstone, uh, a couple of weeks ago I purchased I just wanted to say, I purchased an NFT um, of a walrus and, and what he's doing, the walrus in the NFT is, I guess you'd say fornicating with a duck. Uh, I got it off of a website um, on the, you know, the dark web, they say. What should I, is this worth anything? You know, what should I do with this NFT? Yeah, yeah. I'm big. I'm very bullish on the walrus. walrus. Um, I have a couple of those. A couple of those myself. Huh. I couldn't get one with the with the penetrated duck. But I, I have one. I have one preparing. And, uh, you know, hopefully if mine continues to, you know, gain in value, I'll be able to up into the, you know, the more, gra- the more graphic ones. Because that's yes. really... That's where the money, yeah, I mean, that's where the money is. Yes, and I have the rare. There's actually, you know, the walrus is, you know, he's going in, so to speak. So, uh, yeah. yeah, that's that's the one I have. I mean, in a, I'm sure it probably barely fits in the poor duck as well. Yeah. Well, it, it's not a pretty sight, so. Well, yeah, not for you. Do, do you guys know which... Do you guys know much about duck sex? I mean, Rick, Well, let's, pro- let's ask Lou Bob. Where's, where's Lou Bob? He's, he's an expert on the field, though. I, I I thought he was playing Edward Forty Hands. He just like oh. uh, is he is he pissed drunk? Uh, he's right here. Just Lou, did you want to say anything? <laughs> Ray Leona. <laughs> Ray Leona. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. I, did you see boys? Sorry, Lou Bob. He's one of my favorites as well. Hendry. Yeah, one of my favorites, man. Yeah, yeah. that's. Uh, I was a shame. He was a uh, good fellow. It's probably top five movie in my books. Yeah, that was a great flick, man. I really never you know, seen I, that one. Yeah, uh, you got to see that one, Rick, man. That's a good one. You, you'll like. Oh, you'll like it. Lots of uh, cocaine. Ah, oh, okay. <laughs> oh, <laughs> cocaine cowboys. Now, do we finish up Jeopardy, boys, or where are we at here? Yeah, where are we at? Are we out of categories? Yet? I think that was it, wasn't it? Yeah, I think that was, was it? it. Pretty, yeah. pretty uh, shitty. Let's, let's, oh, oh no, we got one. We got one question left. All right, fine. We, we, we got we got big Johnny we got big Johnny cock for a thousand left. Oh, big Johnny cock, big Johnny's cock for a thousand. Let's see, let's see. Big, Johnny, big, big Johnny, big Johnny Cochran. Okay, so this is the last question. This is for all the marbles. Um, okay, this is this is your leader in a hard hit percentage in May, but he's still batting two oh seven on the season. Who oh, big power has we seen coming around? Oh man, I have. Jorge Soler. Oh, that's not a bad one. I was thinking Franmo, but yeah, Soler probably makes Oh, that's also sense. a good one. Graham's right. It's George Soler. Yeah, great Fucking job. Right. Good pick. Yeah, he's starting to make, he's starting to match. Yeah, he you is. know what it is? Well, I think we're seeing some hitters just adjust to where on the ball they're trying to strike it. You know, remember, we, we've just – we've had – we're coming off of two and a half to three years in a row of instructing hitters to hit the bottom half of the ball. Right? It's almost like a hitting a, a pool ball, depending where you center the shot, is the direction the ball goes in. So part of launch angle is where on the ball you're striking it. Like we've, you've, I mean, I'm not, again, I'm not making this up. We've heard hitters and coaches talk about this alike. Having to tell hitters to adjust 
a little bit. Now you're trying to strike the center of the ball. And I think, I think Solaire looks like he may have made that adjustment because he went from high fly ball hitter that was just dying out there. And now he's that little adjustment and he's hitting tanks right now. And maybe it's a little bit of humidity. Maybe it's a little bit of weather and everything, right? Adjustments, all these things at once, but yeah, he's come alive, man. I feel like I'm always sitting in the, in the wrong spots. Like he had a two, he had a two game slate. I sat him in most spots. He had to dong. It's hard, man. It's not, that's, to be honest, this is part of, of the problem with the maximizing plate appearance theory. Now, I just don't take them out. I wanted to say that when you were talking about uh, Jock, like with the environment, like just leave them in. Yeah, you might see. I mean, you uh, you might be you might be right. And again, that might be. What do you, what do you mean? What do you mean with the environment? Leave them in. Like, like, because like, home runs are so hard to hit. Yes. And batting average is so low, right? So if it, you if you take a bath and runs in RBIs, and you like optimize in a couple other spots, but he hits two bombs versus everyone else who hits like half a bomb in those four days. Like you're you're like three hundred percent up in home runs in theory. I mean, in yeah, that yeah. Thing I just created. <laughs> The numbers check out, but that's just a completely made-up scenario in your head. <laughs> yeah, one hundred percent. But just like it, it kind of works. Like I, I just like if I had Jock Peterson, who's got like eleven or twelve home runs right now, and power so hard, like I would just leave him in there and just kind of eat it. I yeah. mean, listen, I was I was doing something similar to start the season before I knew what the hell we were in for with guys like Miles Straw, right? Who I talked about Miles Straw off season that I, I thought he was. He people like once you say something nice, you become like the Miles Shore guy. You're obsessed with him. I, I was open about saying he was not part of an ideal plan, but I did think he was being shortchanged because I think there was a potential for good average because of the OBP and the everyday playing time to get your runs, steals, and average. And I thought the three kind of scarce commodities together would be worth it. Now, but this year I found steals are easier than power, and I've actually sat straw in a bunch of places because he has. If he had no chance of hitting a home run before, he has zero, like negative chance of hitting a home run, right? He's not hitting any home runs this year. Does he not have home runs yet? Does Miles Straw not have home runs? He might have an inside the Parker. No, 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 he doesn't. But but he, uh, he, he uh, that's a, that's a, that's a shock. But we have seen we have seen of uh, the rest of the tools, and but I think to Graham's point, the zero home runs from Straw is just not nearly the detriment it was with our prior understanding. Because there are a lot of hitters that are good that have zero home runs. So at least Miles Straw with zero is not nearly as far behind the projection I had of two. <laughs> I, again, I only projected two or three. So maybe guys year? like him are not killing you, right? Wait, you projected two or three the whole year or two or three up two, to this point? No, I projected two or three home runs the whole year. I thought it was being realistic. Okay. I, uh, you can still so, get that. Yeah, that. that's my Zach. That's exact. That's precisely my point. Is he's actually not as far behind his projections, right, as, as everyone else, man. I want to. I'm trying to look at this board. But I was really hearing quick. things about like I was hearing things about like ten home runs the preseason. Wait, I, well, not for me. Was it, was it you who were saying that? Or I get maybe. I guess. Oh no, 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 dude! Take me outside and kick my own ass if that was me, because I was okay. fighting over the Tommy Edmund twenty. So I thought Edmund was <laughs> okay. more of a thirteen. I thought Straw was more of a dude. To be honest, I wasn't even at five. But but I will I I will fine tune my boldness where I. I thought the projections were about 50% short. Like I, I truly, I still think he's like a 50 to 60 steel guy, right? He's got to be at eight to 10 already. And he hasn't even been great. In fact, when, when he gets on, he runs. So his steals go with kind of his sine wave of production. So he easily could be a 45 steel guy this year, which would be great. Uh, I think he's got eight or nine. 
Yeah, you might as well get Jorge Mateo. Yeah, another well, another guy I have on other teams. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. See, I delayed, I delayed long enough to look at the actual leaderboard. So, like, I mean, when you're like, well, how many home runs did he hit? I don't know. Winker has fucking two. You know, Carlson has two. Ketel Marte has two. You know, these are guys that were going hot. Marcus, Marcus Seaman has none. Trent Grisham has one. Cabrian Hayes has none. Marcus Simeon has none. So he's good. Know, I mean, how many does uh, Jizz Chazel? <laughs> how but, many does Jizz Chazel have? Seven oh, or eight. Yeah, he's been jizzy. Um, jizzy yeah, his left name right. is, uh, I think, with who you're referring to, Rick, is Jazz Chisel. And no, uh, right. he's got Jazz um, Ball. Jizz hands. He has jizz, jizz hands, I think. <laughs> exactly. Yes. He's a pig. <laughs> He's a sax pig. He's but, a blue, pig. but a blue haired one of that. Those are, my, those are my favorite kinds. Mm-hmm. And hair color, you know, it's it's an ever changing landscape. And, you know, we don't want to be binary in terms of our, you know, hair and things like that. It needs to, whatever you want to rock, you rock. You know? So, Clay, can I ask you, does your drapes match the curtain? Oh, goodness. Um, well, you know, last goodness. week, I actually put in, well, listen here, I put in a nice shag rug, and uh, I was down at Home Depot, and I picked up the cutest little, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, whatever it's called, like a drape, and yeah, the house looks great, but thank you for asking. Yeah, next time, take out the Prince Albert, it's a pain in the ass. Hey, um, we, we haven't really got a chance to know each other. Like, uh, do you live alone? Do you have a roommate? Do you have uh, family? You know, I don't really get into my personal life too often. I, you know, I just feel like being an HR director, it kind of clouds my role a little bit to engage on that level with employees like yourself, Zach. So I like to kind of be above that. And, uh, you know, I'm not your employee. I'm not, an empl- I'm well, not your employee. I think Mr. Rosenblatt, we're into semantics at this point, but I think Mr. Rosenblatt, if you would read the fine print, you'd see that, uh, you know, you're a bit, you're not where I'm at, I guess is what I would say there. Clay, Clay, there's no line, there's no dotted line. I'm not, like, I'm not reporting into you. Okay, well, you know, that's neither here nor there, you know, that's your prerogative, Zach, but, um, you know, if you look at my Twitter account, you will oh, yeah. see that I am. I'm not. I'm not looking to. I'm not looking to create any animosity here. Um, uh, and um, so, but you know, tell me about your uh, jazz ball. I saw, like I, I was looking at your Twitter. Uh, talk to you about jazz ball. Well, jazzball.com is a website that I have that is dedicated to uh, the fantasy baseball player, which is why I was interested in this podcast. And what we do is we rate every player, every manager, everybody that's in the major leagues on a social credit score type scale of sorts. And, you know, we take in diversity, we take in inclusivity, we take in all kinds of different things. And I've got a whole ranking system there. Uh, currently, Jazz, <laughs> my spirit animal, is number one. Uh, but yeah, we've got a, a long list on there, and I encourage anybody to check it out. It's jazzball.com. Oh, Christ. Wow. Yo, John, can I ask you a question? Yeah, I would love it. Yeah, anything to show so back up. Back when we were talking about launch angles and like blasts and just the changing ball and how yeah. things have changed, I yeah. heard Eno Saris talking about how 
you need to change the type of hitters that we select for and think are good, which is what you were hinting at, right? Yeah, that's what I'm getting at, yeah. So he was talking about how Manny Margot in this environment, a line drive hitter who still gets to power, is ideal. Like, And that's why he could be ticking up in this environment. I have a ton of Heimer Clandelario, and I know you do too. What yep, the fuck chamber. is going it's, on? It's, it's chamber. Like, what is going on, man? Like, that's yes, a line drive hitter. Like, hey, Clay, can we get a ruling on Heimer it's, or Jamer? It, I'm, I'm, Hi, stru- it's, I'm uh, struggling with Heimer. Yeah, it's Jamer. It w- it's Jamer Candelario. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <my God. laughs> and, you know, I right, fail well. to see what the issue is, gentlemen, but. Uh... Okay. Yes, All right. <laughs> All right. All right. The problem with Candelaria has been, it's been, it's, it's pretty simple. I mean, and it's been the same thing we've seen from a few of the failed hitters thus far that we expected this from like Marcus Simeon has been the same way guys that have never really chased before are really chasing. And they're also hitters that generally make a lot of contact. So now that they're chasing more and still make a lot of contact, if you notice a lot of these guys, they're O contact, which is not generally a stat I'm looking at. I am only looking at it now this year to try and find out what's going on with some of these guys. And you'll notice a guy like, Candelario, he he's at a career high for chasing. But like, not only do you, when people say, "Oh, it's a career high for chasing," check this out. Going back to 2017, this is what we liked about him so much, so consistent. O swing, 30, 29, 31, 30, 32. I mean, we're talking like a, you know, geez, gotta be 1500 plate appearances or something like that, maybe more. And it was all within one tick of chasing, right? So that's a skill. This year, it's at 39 percent. And the in-zone contact rate has now dropped. The swing strike rate's at a career high. And what I was getting at is when you hear 30 and then it's dropped, raised to 40. You're talking about a 25% spike in O-swing. His swinging strike rate is up like 20 to 25%. So though those are the type of hitters that are going to thrive in this environment, you still got to hit the ball, man. You know what I mean? Yeah, you still got to – it's still about solid contact. It's still about not chasing – because in order to make that solid contact, you need pitches in the zone. So Candelario has been a kind of a victim of his own, geez, of his own lack of discipline, I guess. But hasn't he? He's picked it up a touch lately. No, he had a three-game hit streak. He had a three-game hit streak a couple weeks ago that I thought was going to be the beginning of it because it had a home run also. Then he went over for his next, like, 15. He hit another ding-dong yesterday. Yeah, he just hit a home run yesterday. So, like, man, you got to just have to hope that it's coming. Because what else could you do? I mean, third base especially is a disaster. I mean, that whole Tigers team has been dog shit. Oh, terrible, man! Been so like, bad. like they're the, it's the worst park. They're platooning. Like yep. the, the board, the borderline guys aren't even getting playing. Time. But now, how like, about guys, how about this? Let me offer the subjective narrative: uh, borderline conspiracy, although one that's probably more inferred, right? Is and they're pro because they suck, right? Part of suck of winning and losing part of sucking is that they haven't picked up on the problem and made the necessary adjustments like other teams have we've heard other teams talk about changing the location of the ball like we've heard about this we know that other teams are adjusting and i bet you the tigers are not because not every team is like that and to talk to my mets at least not my mets they're firm here 
Um, with, who was it? Like Ruben Sierra or Chili Davis? Like what, whoever these like, they were retreading these old hitting coaches that never heard of a track man. They never heard of Hawkeye and Rapsodo. They're old fashioned. You know, I'm never going to spit chaw on your shoe. Like get out of here with that shit. Well, well beyond that, the technological advances we've had and seen and observed that matter have to be adjusted to. So when I see an entire team go in the tank, I'm not like, ooh, buy the dip. This is until they show us, they haven't adjusted, and I'm attacking them. So, yes, um, it sucks with guys like Candelario. I've benched him. You know, I'm benching him right now. I've picked – I added guys like Drury early on. I tried to get my hands on guys like Donovan. Since then, I have a lot of Josh Rojas who I move around, get him at third. Luis Rice, I move around a lot, get him at third, because it's kind of a nightmare. What about Donovan? He's a big Kerlong guy. Because me and Kerlon are in the tag team. He liked him a lot. So it seems like it's working out for a lot of him. That was a good call by him so far. Are you, are you in with it? Well, how about this? Let's go again to that same subjective narrative, but let's flip it on its head. So we have the Tigers, who suck. They have one really good veteran that has not really shown that he rubs off on his teammates. Unlike J.D. Martinez, who rubbed off all over Rafael Devers. And it's kinky. He talked about that. And Tony, and Tony LaRusso rubs off on all of his players, right? Yeah, absolutely. On the days he can get it going, you know. Um, the reason I mentioned that is because, again, these things matter. And we don't have a stat on fan graphs for learning curve. Um, surrounding osmosis, we don't, we don't track that stuff. But I know from my own experience in work, if you go and stick to somebody experienced and you care and you shut your fucking mouth and you listen in an attempt <laughs> to be better at your craft every day, those things can stick. Now, could that be the answer for Brendan Donovan? Again, the Cardinals, people like to chalk up all this devil magic, when in reality, they have they have veterans that have a track record of improving surrounding players in Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado. The Cardinals we know are very much blue collar. We know this in their approach. And it's not to say like, oh, the guy's got a tattoo of a shamrock on his calf or whatever. You know, it, it means they have hardworking players that mean to improve. And But we've seen that. So all their young players come up and automatically produce. And it's not a fucking, it's not coincidence is my point. So where we, we were talking about pitching organizations, pitching factories, we now have to be looking at hitting factories because hitting is much harder than it used to be. So it's not like, oh, that pop fly might get out. The pop flies are not getting out anymore. So we need to be looking at where is the learning happening? Where is instruction going on? And for me, it's in St. Louis. Juan Yapez looks like a fucking all-star. Tommy Edmond looks like a fucking all-star. Nolan Gorman looks like a fuck. Every fucking that comes up looks awesome. But it's not just gentlemen. It's it's discipline. They take pitches. They don't get fooled by breaking stuff. It's it's the only the kind of of it's not beginner's luck is what I think I mean to say is it's, it's the type of production that comes with learning. So is Donovan good? Yes. Donovan's good. Everybody for the Cardinals is going to be good. And everybody for the Tigers is going to suck in perpetuity until they change. Ha! Huh. Shit burns. <laughs> and you love the Stop it, Rick. You know, you love the red. Bird. What about, what about Riley green? Riley green's got enough talent to overcome. Pig. The shit. Ooh, do you think? Do you think so? I really hope so. I don't know. I really hope so. I just went on. I've got all your guys in my head here. You do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those are my. Those are my. 
Dude, that's another part of, you know, injuries are just part of the failures. And I have Riley Green everywhere, and he hasn't played. Yeah, fuck. Yeah, it sucks, man. Insanely yeah, hopefully he comes back. Though. If he's an average guy with uh, homers and steals, would be great. I thought I was getting one of those guys in Razor Ramon. That kind of blew up. You know, it's, it's been rough, man. Fuck. Raz- I believe Razor Ramon has uh, deceased. I don't know why. Yeah, he's, he, he's putting uh, – He's putting Cherubin in the razor's edge right now somewhere. Yes. What do you think about uh, HBK Shawn Michaels? Uh, was he a wrestler that you enjoyed, Mr. Legay? You know, I, you, you pro- as you could probably guess, no. You know, he's not my yeah. guy. I, I felt like he's a little too showboaty. Though, oh, what a wonderful beefcake. Just a fantastic specimen of perfectly shaved chest hair. You know what I mean? Just, just huh. perfect. But the problem was, I always felt like he was a bit of a jerk off. And I think his arrogance, though it helped him be great, I think it might have kept him from being as great as he could have been. I was really into Russell. And that was my, that was when I was getting out of it. But man, that Michaels Bret Hart thing, well, that was awesome. Man, they screwed over my boy Bret Hart so bad. The screw job. Well, he deserved just, it. You know, he deserved it. Oh, he was Rick, me and you were going to come to blows. I'll put you through a fucking table next time I see you. You better watch your mouth when it comes oh, to he was, he was trying to screw over Vince McMahon. He was screwing over Mr. McMahon. Talk you about know. a sex pig. You're talking to me? Vince McMahon, you're protecting the billionaires, Rick Poundstone? I can't believe this. Absolutely. The man created a multi-million dollar empire and bought out everybody else because he gets it. (laughs) Yeah, he's a monopoly. We don't don't want to condone these, uh, you know, capitalistic nature here. Um, You know, and I just wanted to say, this is Clay, and I just wanted to say that Gold Dust was actually my favorite wrestler of all time. I don't know if anybody remembered Gold Dust, but he was my favorite. All right, I'm going to tell you something I heard a long time ago from a convicted felon. Shut the fuck up, or I'm going to put your ass on the street. Okay, that's my best. Oh uh-huh, yeah, that's my best. So all right, I'm, it's starting to get late. I'm starting to curse fervently. I got to get out of here, guys. I got to have to go soon. I'm getting in trouble. I don't get in trouble soon. I just got Clay off the podcast. So, uh, Zach, are you even? <laughs> Zach, are you even still here anymore, bud? Yeah, no, I'm here. I just, just got to, I just got to softball. Oh man, Zach, you should you should Not live stream into the pod some should... uh, you taking some cuts. Yeah. Let's hear some whiffs. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, boys. Well, I got a song oh. queued up. All right, to, Ricky, uh... Ricky. Yeah, you can wrap it up. I gotta go. Be you um ended off. This has been the draft uh, champions podcast. We had Mr. Legay on today. We had Shrimp. We had Michelle Curland. We had Zach. We had Marty. Marty. Uh, uh, Rosen. Uh, fuck. Rosenthal. Blatt. We had Blatt. Rosenblatt. Ro- there it is. Rosenblatt. <laughs> we had on that. Jesus, I don't know who all that is. Culture guys type shit, but I'm gonna go ahead and get us. <laughs> oh, peace out, boys. Actually, <laughs> Yo, Rick, play the music, dude. I just did. Didn't anybody hear it? No, no, no. We're just hearing like fucking weird shit, dude. <laughs> uh, it's not. I guess it's not coming through on. Uh... <laughs> All right, stop, Zach, stop the recording now, bud. Do I gotta get any?
I'm gonna guess this one's not here. No, that's Elmer. <laughs> I think we're at Zach's baseball game. Yeah, hey, I uh, think we are. Yeah, I see Jackie. I don't know that. I see Jackie. I don't know that is. Thirty-seven. Zach. Hey, Rick. Rick. Okay. I. What? What is this about? Well, as you know, um, we are conducting our. Uh, diversity, inclusion, uh, caring, and kindness forms. Yeah. Well, I kind of had to do a little audit through all the past episodes, and the score is out of 100. So the, the scale goes the whole way from 1 up to 100, okay? You scored... Let me just double-check. Yeah, you, you actually scored a flat zero. Uh, it, it's a zero on the scale, and this is concerning. I'm not going to lie. Okay. Um, I mean, I'm just, oh, I'm just... I'm just being me, and I know that. I, I know you, you know, are just kind of operating on the level that you, you've been taught. You know, it, where are you from again? I am, well, I... Born and raised here in Odd, West Virginia. Well, that that explains a lot. See, here I'm from Portland, Oregon, and here we, you know, we do things a little bit differently. Or I don't know if you've been, have you been to New York City? No, no, fuck no. I mean, absolutely not. It's a pig pigotry. It's a dump. Well, I, I let's not go there. Uh, the New York City. San Francisco, California, Los Angeles, California, Portland, Oregon. We are the new class, okay? And I need you to kind of get on this wavelength for the podcast. Does this make sense to you? I, I don't know that I can. I'm just myself. I mean, and I know you are. And I know you think that that's okay. But we're in a climate now, okay? that I need you to understand is a little bit different from this kind of, uh, you know, low education, low IQ kind of podunk little community that you and your, this strange family you have is from. Look, I, I understand that you're now the, whatever, the director or something here, but please do not insult my family. I mean, I, we're just trying here. You know, I, I'm in a group. I'm going to get emotional. Okay, Rick, I don't... <laughs> He's crying now. I I just... I don't want you to get emotional. I, I'm just trying to produce this podcast. I don't know that my original wife, Maggie, loves me anymore. <laughs> my kids aren't really my kids. They're not my biological children. Okay, Rick, I, you know, I don't need all of this. Um, you know what? We're going to discuss this at a later date. Don't fret too much about your score right now, but we are going to have to correct it long term, okay? Okay, I, uh, I don't know what to do, but I'll, I guess I'll try. Okay, go ahead and, you know, uh, you can get off the video now. Well, I don't know how to turn it. Do I 